Thank you for tuning in to Morning Moments with Pastor Bruce Goddard from Faith Baptist Church. We pray that this is a blessing to you. Great to have you with us today. Thanks for joining us. And today, kind of an unusual thought I wanted to um, address. Um, we've got a, a Psalm chapter 127, if you want to find the text. We'll be there in a moment. Um, and I have, uh, have on occasion been taking some time to mention the people who've influenced our church. And, and um, God has been good beyond words is all I can say. How kind, how merciful. Uh, I just couldn't begin to say enough about how good he's been. <clears throat> I just take a moment, and I may mention uh, this a little bit in another time, but I was thinking about my wife, and um, I remember her, again, thinking of people who've greatly influenced our church. Um, I moved from a school of 4,000 to a town of 2,000, a high school of 200, and uh, my wife was in the eighth grade. I was a sophomore. I was brand new. Um, I was a little late getting up to school because of moving and and because our family kind of runs on the shoelace. And um, so uh, I think I started school about a month late and I didn't know anybody. I was a sophomore in high school and, and an oddball. And, um, but um, I was invited to my wife's neighbor's house for a New Year's Eve party or a Christmas party. I forget which, which it was, but it was during the Christmas break. And um, I found myself with this group of teenagers that I knew just a little bit. And that was the first time we were sitting, we were in a garage playing some games. And my wife was there. She was the next door neighbor. She, all, everybody, everybody was high schoolers except my wife. She was in the eighth grade. And she was from next door and who, a friend of the family. And so they invited her over. And that was the first time I met her. And then, um, uh, of course, I teased the kids, look out for those, those cute eighth graders because they could become wives. Um, the next couple of years, my world and hers, we were you know, around each other because <clears throat> once she was in high school, we were at sporting events and school activities in a school that small. There's no uh, question, but you're going to cross paths. <clears throat> but um, she was a, I don't know, I would guess you'd call her, she was one of the good girls who stayed away from a lot of things, not that I was in any trouble. But um, I remember being, <clears throat> my junior year, I was at a gathering, a party of some sorts with some of the crowd my age and older, and one of the girls that was a senior, she, she, I was a junior, she was a senior, and she said to this, this one guy, he didn't have a girlfriend, and he said, I need a girlfriend. She said, why don't you date that Tammy Dearman girl? And um, and I thought about her at that moment. You know, I heard that comment. I wasn't in the conversation, but I was nearby. And he said, oh, she'd never date me. She's a good girl. And something clicked. And I thought, if, if she's a good girl, good enough, she wouldn't date him. That's the kind of girl I'm interested in. And then the next year, my senior year, we were in a situation where my wife, um, we were, we left a school activity. We we're going to go to someone's house where there was some kind of party going on. And um, um, my wife was with her boyfriend and I was with another girl. And the four of us were driving. And uh, when my wife um, realized the circumstances, she asked if she could be taken back to the school. She said, I don't care if you go. She said to her, 
date. Uh, she was a sophomore. Um, he was a senior. I was a senior. And she said, I don't care if you go on, but I need to go back to school. So we all went back to school and stayed there. None of us went to the party. <clears throat> and again, her willingness to say there's some things that are right and some things that are wrong, and I'm going to do the right thing. Those things drew me to her. And um, all of our marriage, for these 41 years, she has labored to do the right thing. And, of course, I'm not saying she always has, but it's been um, these 40 years in the ministry at Faith Baptist Church have been easier years because my wife has enough character to do the right thing. She has enough Christian integrity to choose the right thing, and she has enough personal character and strength to do that. Sometimes we know what's right, we just can't do it. And uh, we're flesh, we're weak, but um, she, um, through these years as a wife, as a mother, uh, she's stood up to things that were difficult and taken the path of right rather than the path of least resistance. Uh, she's resisted um, jealousy, bitterness, envy, um, anger, and vengeance. And uh, she's chosen to love people that um, perhaps did not uh, re return her love. And I'm very grateful for her. And so just a quick word on this thing. And because I'm talking about the home, I could not begin to say enough good about my wife. We would never have the ministry that we do were it not for my wife and her character, her strength, her integrity, and her spirituality, that she's a Bible reader. She's a, a girl of prayer. And I'm thankful beyond words for these years. Now, um, today, I um, wanted to address something a little bit unusual the formula for a happy life. And we'll be in Psalm 140, uh, 127, 144. <clears throat> but uh, think with me about uh, how, the, how life started. There's a garden God made, a beautiful garden. But the garden was not the end. And we are so goofed up today, we get thinking the world is the center of everything and men are just like dogs, cats, and bats. And we live here, but, but the world is the main thing. And to protect the world, preserve the world, whether it be oceans or trees or whatever, at all costs, that's the most important thing. Well, that's garbage. Uh, when God made man, he said to subdue the world. Um, over in Psalms 19, uh, or Psalms 8, when he says, what is man that thou art mindful of him? He says um, that he made us to have dominion over the world. And this world's not to have dominion over us. We're to have dominion over the world. And that's not the point of what I'm talking about today. We'll just throw that out. That's non. This idea of this earth worship is demonic and nonsense. And you can read about it in Romans chapter 1, where these people worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who's blessed forever. Um, it is not, This world is not here so that we could worship it. The wor this world is here for us to use it and enjoy it. And God's given us richly all things to enjoy, he wrote to Timothy. Now, but back to the point. Um, the, the, the formula for a happy life. Well, it starts with God. Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, God. It starts with God. And then he made a garden, a beautiful place, perfect place. But that place had no purpose without man. And so he put man in the garden. Then God had fellowship with man. Man had a beautiful, beautiful place to live. And everything's hunky-dory. But the fact is, it wasn't hunky-dory. Man was alone. He had a bunch of animals, and they weren't quite what he was looking for. And so God made a woman. 
And uh, God made the man, the woman, put him in the garden. He said, this is very good. This is a great thing. You know what a great thing is? You know what a great place is? A place where there's a man and a woman. Notice the two genders, a male and a female. And that those two people find themselves with God. That is a beautiful place. And that's a happy place. Well, he says subdue. He says uh, multiply and subdue the earth. He said, uh, or multiply and replenish the earth. I want you to multiply and replenish the earth. And, and of course, they have Cain and Abel, and there's some problems right off because people are sinners. And, and uh, But, but um, they had their, God wanted them to, to uh, replenish the earth. Over in uh, Genesis chapter 9, Noah gets off the ark, Noah and his wife, Ham, Shem, Ham, Shem, and Japheth, and their three wives. And God says, multiply and replenish the earth. He wants them to have kids. And we are in a culture today that is definitely anti-family. Many years ago, I saw a uh, mathematic uh, thing a guy had done and said that when we get to this point, we will not be able to recover the human race, at least the Christian part of it. And uh, because at the rate people die and the rate people are born, uh, we're not going to be able to keep up. Now, I don't understand that. I think if there's only two left, we should be able to have kids. And um, now if there's only two people left and, and they only have one child, then we got a problem. But um, um, but the, the point is, um, God said, I want you to have these kids. I want you to get married and, and replenish the earth. And this spirit today, first of all, I think it's a selfish spirit. I think there are people who'd rather have a career and a bunch of money and a bunch of material possessions because they foolishly think those possessions will make them happy. And so they want to have a bunch of possessions. They want to have a bunch of stuff. And that stuff supposedly is going to make them happy. And then they get, you know, maybe they get 30, 40 years old. And they think, oh, you know what? We ought to have a child. A lot of our friends have children. So they have one little child. And that poor kid is really an inconvenience. The kid is no more than a pool, a lot of work and an occasional smile or a yard. You, you know, hire somebody else to take care of the yard. It's too much for me to do it. Hire somebody else to teach the child and train the child. It's too much work for me to do it. And and a kid, uh, they throw a token child in because it's kind of what the, yeah, you know, what you ought to do. Um, and And yet... To, to replenish the earth, to take our heritage, and I mean our ethnic heritage and our cultural heritage and our national heritage, that we're Americans, that we have a heritage of freedom, and to take that heritage and, and bring babies into the world and teach those kids how good God has been to America. Um, that just, uh, that's but you know what? It's it, you can't be selfish because raising kids is a lot of work, and so we've got this selfish society. They don't want to do anything hard. They want it to be all about me. I want to be the center of everything. And then the second problem is a love for material possessions. You mean you know the Paul wrote the love of money is the root of all evil, and because people love money and they love toys and they love things, what happens is it's the root of all evil, and so their marriage is a mess or their adulterous affair shacking up together is a mess. Um, if there are, if they do happen to be some kids, you'll see in a minute, come along, they're bad kids and, um, and life is not happy. Now I'm talking today about how to have a happy home. And if you have happy homes, you're going to have happy church, you have happy churches, you're going to have a happy city and happy state and you have happy churches, city and state, you're going to have a happy country, but it's, it's got to start with God. And then it goes from God 
to the uh, the spouse, and then it goes from God to the spouse to the children. And um, uh, I think kids are one of the great things that God has given us. Look over at Psalms chapter one twenty seven with me, and uh, in Psalm one twenty seven, um, just some really simple principles about the home. And you know, there's nowhere in the Bible that it says if you get a whole bunch of money, you're going to be happy. But the Bible does say in Psalms 1, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly and stands not in the way of sinners, doesn't sit in the seat of the scornful, but loves and meditates in the Bible. That guy will be happy. Psalms chapter 127, in verse 3, low children are a heritage of the Lord. Like we have an American heritage or I have a Norwegian heritage. It's this thing that God gave us. It's a gift. Children are a heritage and the fruit of the womb is his reward. Children are the reward of God. The fruit of the womb. That is a reward. Kids are an awesome thing. Um, verse 4, as arrows are in the hands of a mighty man, so are the children of the youth. And what is an arrow in a mighty man? Well, it defends him. What does an arrow do? Uh, an arrow drives off the enemy. What's an arrow do? It makes him victorious, makes him a conqueror, all those things. And uh, defeats the evil of this world. And uh, what are children? Children are to be like those arrows in the hands of a mighty man. And I am to send my children out to fight against evil and to stand up for right. That is what children are for, to raise them, to love them, to get them to love God, and then to get them to stand against the, the devil and the evilest world and stand up for God. Look at verse 5, Psalm 127, 5, 127 verse 5. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. Happy. You want to know how to be happy? Get your quiver full of kids. And you say, how many is a quiver? None of my business. You figure that out. Um, we had four. And I wouldn't mind it a couple of more. But you know what? I'd rather have four that are living for God than have two more, three more, four more that I couldn't train or didn't have time for, or whatever it might be. Um, and, and, and every family's got to make that decision. I just believe that kids are a gift from God. And this culture that we're in is an anti-marriage, anti-child culture. It's trying to make the government the center of everything. And, and if you're not ready to have that baby, you abort it or you don't have children at all. And uh, it's a very shameful thing. It's an evil thing. God gives children as his gift to mankind. Look over to Psalms 144. You get the counterpart to this. Psalms chapter 144. In verse 11, he says, rid me and deliver me from the hand of strange children whose mouth speaketh vanity and their right hand is a right hand of falsehood. He said, Get, keep these kids away from me who are vain and liars and deceitful. I want nothing to do with these kids. And you see, if you're going to have the happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. If you're going to have that happy life, you got to fall in love with God get married to the opposite gender, and then have some babies and train those kids to love God and to fight for righteousness. That brings happiness. Well, then you go over to the other side, the side that loves money, the side that loves things, the, the, the root of all evil side, and you go over and think about that side. And because selfishness is there, because greediness is there, because covetousness is there, because the love of money is, you either love God or you love the things of the world. There's no in between. Uh, and you can't love both. Jesus said you can't love God and mammon or money. So you either have a heart for God and you use 
whatever material possessions God gives you for your marriage, family, and for others, or you love your stuff and you use people. And so on the opposite side of righteousness here, you got people who use their their stuff. They love, I mean, use people. They love their stuff. They love their money. They love the praise of men more than the praise of God. And you get that crowd of people over there, and it's going to happen. They're going to have bitter kids, selfish kids, greedy kids. They're going to have two or three marriages who, you know, step parents and and who do you spend holidays with? A big old mess. And um, and God says, I'd love to make you happy. And you, happy is get, get what you had in the garden, a relationship to God, a relationship to your spouse, have some babies, train them all to walk with God. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. And you're going to have to rid me, Psalm 144, verse 11, rid me from and deliver me from those who speak vanity from the strange children who, uh, whose mouths speak vanity and the right hands of right hand of falsehood, get these kids away from me. I can't have my kids uh, on the internet um, watching movies, reading books, hanging out with the with the crowd of lying, vain people. Athletes are the biggest bunch of vain people you could find. Models, movie stars, singers, people who are trying to get enough followers on Facebook or Instagram or whatever to to be somebody. They're seeking fame. Um, they don't care what good they're doing. They just want to be famous. They want to have followers. And, you know, there's nowhere in the Bible or in the reality of my eyes what I see where followers make you happy or where lots of money makes you happy or lots of prestige makes you happy or having a nice car, a nice figure uh, makes you happy. I've seen some of the most miserable people that have got everything in the world and they're miserable because they don't have the one that brings peace and joy and happiness. Where do you get find? Where do you find happiness? You find it just like in the garden. You get God. You get your spouse. You get some babies. You raise them for God. You get a family that loves God. But look, look at look, before I get to verse twelve. I love my family gatherings. I love having the kids around and the grandkids around. The other day, I had a. Um, we have wood floors in the main floor of our, our bottom floor of our house and the two story house and. And we, me and this, uh, our four-year-old Kimmy, we flipped this blanket up, or blanket, uh, or a little rug, little throw rug, two feet by three feet, flipped it upside down, and uh, and and you know, expensive toys, um, no tablets, no expensive digital this or that. Uh, there was an extension cord I was winding up um, to put away, maybe eight feet long or something, and um, I tossed it to her, and she held on to it, and. Um, sitting on that upside down rug and I drug her around the house on those wood floors and she is laughing and carrying on. You know what? We had more fun than you'd have had doing anything else. Um, you know, you don't have to spend money to have fun. You got to love people to have fun. You need God to help you have fun. And there's so much value in, uh, in love and loving people and loving children. And my wife and I, on occasion, we'll find a uh, an Airbnb cabin somewhere up in the mountains that we can we can afford, and we'll we'll find one big enough to bring the kids and grandkids. And we say, look, we got we'll get this cabin if you guys will bring the food and come along. Well, why do we do that? Because the funnest thing about a vacation is the kids and the grandkids. And I love being with my family. I love being with my own children, and I love being with my grandchildren. And um, we we had did some work at our house, and we needed some stuff moved around, and. My oldest son, Josh, and his wife and three kids came over, and, oh, they put the house in shape, they cleaned and put in order. And, and I realized my 13- or 14-year-old grandson could, 
um, can pick things up I shouldn't be picking up. I can, but uh, between back and knees and everything, I think. And I love my kids. I love my grandkids. I love being around them. And I love doing things for my um, Josh's two older ones, um, 11 and 13 or 12 and 14. I can't remember. But uh, we have a ping pong table I got just with the intent of playing ping pong with them. And um, and I just went on the, the used, you know, online market in the neighborhood. And I thought, oh, I bet I can find some old beater ping pong table. And I found a brand new, beautiful $1,000 ping pong table. Someone was moving or something. I don't know what. I got it for $100. And I thought, what a bargain, man. We've, and it's supposed to be inside. It's really nice. But it's outside because it's a tool. We're not worshiping the ping pong table. We're using it. But uh, me and the grandkids play. And I can still beat them most of the time. Not always. They're, within a year or two, I'm not going to be able to. They're, they're, they play more and they're better than me some. But, but I love being with them. I love being with them. I love being with the little ones. And um, we've got, uh, got nine grandkids children running around three in Indiana and six here. And, and, um, and then, um, well, let me think that that's right. Um, yes, we've got, uh, one on deputation with Josiah, our baby, and then Matt and Esther have got two and Josh and Carly here have three and Esther's expecting. So that would really make it, uh, make it an extra. We've got 11 along the way, I guess, uh, trying to figure out all the, all the, you know, that would make it 10. I can't do math while I'm talking, but, um, I love the kids and I love being around them and, and, uh, the grandkids, the daughters-in-law and sons-in-law. Wow. Are we ever blessed? And, um, but you know, this culture that's saying you don't want to have kids, that's the stupidest thing in the world. And, uh, have, get married. You say, oh, the world's a mess. We need to stop having kids because we're going to kill all the, we're going to ruin the environment. Oh, let the, let God take care of the environment and have babies and train them up for God and love them and enjoy them. Well, what about food? Grow some food. And what about the trees and the water? Oh, God will take care of it. Uh, let's just keep loving God. But I want you to notice um, verse, uh, I won't go any further, but he talks about the, the blessings of happy children. And um, see, if, if you get rid of the wrong crowd in verse 11, the lie and vain people, verse 12, then your sons will grow up as plants grow up, big, prosperous plants, fruitful, and your daughters will be as cornerstones polished after the similitude of a palace. You have these wonderful granddaughters and daughters and these great productive sons and grandsons. And Man, life is awesome. And then verse 15, happy is the people that is in such a case. Yea, happy is the people whose God is the Lord. Don't think you can leave God out of it. Hey, marriage and kids without God, you're going to have trouble. Get Jesus in your home, in your life, in your relationships, and it's the greatest thing in all the world. I am for the family. I'm for marriage. I love being around my mom and, and around my dad before he went to heaven. Um, what a great thing to have a family. What a privilege to have a family. I remember as a boy, uh, my natural father left when I was, oh, maybe 10. But uh, uh, whatever broke their marriage up, we got no idea. My parents didn't, we were not our parents' counselors. But, um, oh, you know what, my my dad, we'd pitch horseshoes in the backyard. Or we'd, I'd stand out with him watering fruit trees. And and uh, we'd go, sometimes we'd go up to Lancaster and Palmdale when there was no Lancaster and Palmdale, just up in the desert. We'd do, we'd take our shotguns and 22 and just go up shooting rabbits. There were so many jackrabbits. There were thousands of them up there. And, you, and um, we'd go fishing together. And um, 
uh, he'd help us work on our bicycles or whatever we might need. And um, what a pleasure to have a family. And then he left, and a couple years later, my mom remarried, and my stepdad, who just became the best of friend to me and so good to me. And I remember, remember after work, um, we'd moved um, from Southern California up north, and and uh, my parents left very good jobs in the aerospace industry and just picked up whatever they could. But my dad would get off work and to come home, and I'd bought this car. I'd, I'd purchased a car, a uh, 69 Chevy Impala, the great big boat kind of four-door. And uh, But the engine needed some work, and he said, why don't we just rebuild it? And um, so he'd come home from work, and um, we took it all the way down to the ca- crankshaft, the camshaft, uh, mic the bearings and, and just everything from the crankshaft on up. We rebuilt it all. And after work, and it was wintertime, and um, we'd, we'd come home, eat dinner, and we'd go out there in the dark, and we'd start a fire. My dad would start a fire. We were in the woods, and he'd just put some firewood in the ground and start a fire. So we had some heat. There'd be snow on the ground around us, and we put a tarp up over the car so no rain and snow would get under the hood and into the parts we were working on. And, and I look back, I'm so thankful for, for family. I love family. And look, there's nothing uh, I, right now. It's just me and my wife. But I'll tell you, me and my wife without kids and grandkids would be a lot more boring. And I love being with her and I love doing things with her. But all oh, the joys of a family. And it's not just the joys of a family. There is a reason God made families, made marriage and made homes and, and so again, Psalm 144, 15, happy is the people that is in such a case, happy is the people whose God is the Lord. Raise your children to love God, to fear God, to honor God, to trust God, and to have that family and have those babies and put up with the dirty diapers and and um, and just in, enjoy our, our littlest. We've got the one on the way, but our littlest one that's been born is... Uh, she's got a, right now, she's got um, leg braces on. She's got a little hip problem. And um, the, um, it might be, by the time you hear this, uh, it might be off. But, but um, oh, that, I love that son and daughter-in-law. They're the ones going to Trinidad as missionaries. And think of that beautiful little girl. And she is happy. Oh, man, she laughs and carries on and just fun. And, you know, you just can't get any better than um, than wonderful children. But, you know, at one point, the Bible talks about that if we don't have our homes right and marriage right, the Word of God is blasphemed. And what a, what a sad thing that, that we would have such a life that we would bring reproach. Uh, look, look over there to uh, to Titus chapter two, and I didn't plan on showing you this, but you can't show it because I'm audio here in this podcast. But if you want to look at it, or otherwise, I'll read it. Titus chapter two, verse five: To be discreet, the older ladies are to teach the younger ladies to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. The reason. The church is a mess, and the reason the the world mocks the Bible, um, it's because of Christians. It's because we've failed to do our job. Godly Christian homes, happy homes, happy kids, happy marriages, we are the envy 
of this godless world around us. Oh, the world would love to have good homes. They don't know how to have good homes. They're just dumb as dirt. And, uh, oh, you've got something. Love your God. Love your spouse. Love your children. Raise those kids in Sunday school and church and read them the Bible daily. And, and um, because if you see that kind of a home, you're going to love your neighbor and you're going to love each other. And that kind of a home would bring happy families. You get a bunch of happy families, they make a happy church. Get a happy church, make happy cities. When all of our churches get doing this thing, then we get a happy state, happy country. But without God and without, without the, a loving home, raising kids that love each other and love God, you know what we have? You have selfishness and greed and all this political junk and all of this evil in our country. It's all because we don't put Jesus in the home up where God wants him to be. Hey, I hope you have a great day. Didn't mean to go this long, but I tell you, there's nothing better than the Christian home and the godly Bible-believing church. We got the greatest thing in all the world. Happy is the people. And let's, let's just seek after that. 